Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available if their child lived in another city around the world. And I promise you guys, I completely have fallen off the wagon a little bit. But I promise you guys, I'm lining up some more international interviews because not only did I produce the podcast, but I was actually a big fan myself. But between the soccer season starting and coaching and training and then school starting, I have just been running around like a chicken with my head cut off, but I got to do a better job. So I promise that. And this show is brought to you in part by Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with it, Anytime Soccer Training is a web application we've created that has over, well over 1,000 training videos and 101 fun soccer games. And so what that looks like is all you got to do is go to the field, hit play. You can do ball mastery, juggling, dribbling, whatever, you name it hit play and your child can get a great workout. So I'm not going to dwell too long on, a, on about that. What I encourage you to do is go to anytime-soccer.com and join for free and also take the seven-day challenge. You'll see that on the website as well and we'll send you seven unique training videos so you can kind of see what it's all about. But when you join for free, you can kind of see the whole application as well. All right. So in today's show, I'm going to depart from my I guess you'd say regularly scheduled um, show. So normally what I do is I do a show, then I listen to the feedback on Facebook and, and fight with my lawyer listeners. <laughs> and then uh, come back and do a follow-up um, uh, based on what, you know, the questions they have and the comments they have. And I know it sounds like I don't, I'm probably just arguing with you guys, but I actually do reflect on it. I, I you know, some of these things, when, and I was joking with, with one of the listeners when I met him at the field, you know, if you, if you are the type of person that does a podcast, you're, you're probably pretty opinionated. So I've had these opinions for a long time, but I do take a mosaic approach. So I gather all of this information from folks and then it starts informing, you know, how I, how I um, think about things and sort of some of the things that I do. And that's kind of, what was the impetus surrounding the 101 fun soccer games, for example. So I owe you guys a follow-up show to the previous show I did last week, where I talked a little bit about my son's club and, and, and what they do differently. But another thing about these podcasts is they're almost like dropping, uh, I tell people they're like dropping singles. You have to uh, you have to think about it. You got to write some notes and, it's, and you just want to try to make sure I am... Um, giving you guys a good product and good presentation. So, you know, they do take a little bit of time to think about. So I'm a little behind on last week's, on the follow-up for last week's. But today I'm going to do one that's a little bit lighter in terms of intellectually, but something that is very, very needed. And I just wanted to go ahead and drop this now to get it out there um, to help some of our rec coaches who are in the thick of it right now. So as you know, it's... Uh, Soccer season has started, and if you're like me, when they sent out the email asking um, for volunteer coaches, right, you're just one of the ones who didn't take two steps back. It's not necessarily that you volunteered, 
but you just didn't take two steps back. And lo and behold, now you are a rec coach. And 10 years later, you'll probably have your own podcast giving some tips to other potential rec coaches. And that's exactly what I'm going to do today. So today's podcast is entitled Four Tips for Starting a Great First Soccer Practice. So this is, you know, through a lot of trial and error, some research, but mainly trial and error on my son's teams and other teams, I've come up with four tips that uh, I want to share with you guys. If you are in a position to um, be a rec coach, even though I think this can work for people, or this can help people um, who don't necessarily um, coach rec, and I'm going to try to keep it really, really brief. So the best way to think about my, so I talked about in a previous podcast, sort of my uh, overarching philosophy on how I, how I think about youth soccer and what I want to see in uh, my teams doing youth soccer. But there's also, I guess you'd say an operational sort of um, more tactical operational philosophy I have. And what I mean by that is if, if I were to give someone else a playbook on this is how I want you to run practice, this is sort of how I want them to think about it. And it's very, very brief. You know, one third uh, soccer, well, no, actually like two thirds soccer, right? So two thirds soccer skills, one third um, PE class, gym class, and one third is a uh, field day. And you're probably thinking that, that's, that adds up to more than 100%. Well, that's because uh, I, I happen to believe a lot of it overlaps. So the whole is larger than the sum. So I want a lot of soccer content. But when I'm doing a rec environment, I also want the kids to have fun. And so I want them to almost feel like they are in a, in a PE class, gym class, getting some general fitnesses, fitness in, running, constantly moving, high energy, this soccer themed. And then I also want, um, you know, some competition. I want them chasing and racing and that kind of stuff, almost like a field day, uh, field day event. And if you're not familiar with that term, that's back in the day when I guess they still do field day when the kids would sign up for different events at the end of the school year and they would compete, maybe the 40 yard dash, the hop race or the egg toss or something like that, tug of war. So that's kind of how my rec practices look. And so when the kids finish, I'm hoping they learn a little bit of soccer and they had a and had even more fun. And so now that I've said that, the first tip um, that I want to give is. I use a consistent practice format. And this actually is going to lead into the next podcast as well, because if I just told you I use a consistent practice format in isolation, my, you know, don't stifle creativity coaches out there will say, oh, no, you got to adjust to the players and all kinds of things. Yes. But what I found in rec, one of the reasons some rec coaches are not successful is because they're constantly trying to figure out the format on the fly. What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? And then they're always changing the format as well. And remember, you're only with the kids once a week for, in the most part, for the most part. And so you, they have to spend a lot of time explaining to the kid how to do whatever it is they're trying to do instead of focusing that energy on the actual soccer instruction games learning whatever 
And so when I say um, a consistent format, what I'm really saying is I have set blocks in my mind. So then that week, even when I do my research on how I'm going to organize the practice, I know I'm feeling certain blocks, okay? And those blocks obviously have a lot of choices in them. And I use, in the blog post I wrote, I use um, school, the times I worked in school, because this has informed that. Most schools have some form of morning work. And that means kids know the routine, they get into the building, they go to class, and then they have a choice of what morning work they're gonna do for the first 10, 15 minutes of class. So they could choose, I'm gonna read quietly, I'm gonna do my math worksheet, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. So they may have a choice, but they all know they're gonna be doing some form of morning work. And what that does for the teachers, that gives that teacher time to get his or her stuff together. If there's a few stragglers, um, that they can just join in quickly. They're preparing for the, uh, for the class. If they do need to talk to someone individually, they can do that. But what they're not doing is, at, is answering a hundred zillion questions about what the child with from the different children, which will be legitimate. Like, what do you want us to do? And then some of it will be like just trying to distract. So they don't have they don't have to worry about that anymore because now you know what to do. And you can just choose one of those things. Well, that's how I structure my practices. Everybody knows when they arrive what we're going to do. And that leads me into. The next point, which is I start every single practice with a game of tag. Okay, I, I start every practice with a, a game of tag. So as soon as I hit the field, I lay out four or five cones, make some kind of perimeter. And, and I know we're gonna do tag, the kids know we're gonna do tag, and the parents know we're gonna do tag. So when the kids come to the second practice, they say, what are we gonna do? We're doing tag. And then there are a zillion um, variations of tag games you can do. And I actually wrote an ebook on this. You should check it out. We're called entitled The Rec Coach uh, Superhero, where I outline exactly why I, I use tag and why I think that's so, um, so important. But the short version is tag encompasses all, pretty much all of the move, fundamental movements that you, you need in soccer, change of direction, acceleration, deceleration, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's also really, really fun, right? And so, and then finally, as a rec, um, in a rec environment, um, you know, you, you, you can't really, you, you don't really enforce people coming on time, um, unlike a club environment that my son is in. So this allows the stragglers to come in and just kind of like flow into the, the um, practice. And when the stragglers do come late, they're not asking me a zillion questions or I don't have to stop the practice to teach them what we're about to do or what we're doing. Because remember, we're always gonna start with a game of tag. And then that brings me to the next point. I always start every block, I guess you'd say. So tag is the first one without the ball. Now, Again, so whatever I'm doing, when I'm in a rec environment, especially when the kids are pretty young, I start the exercise without the ball. And this is the progression. And, and so, so let me just say this. I start the exercise without the ball. And I know this is sacrilegious in many coaching circles because they feel like every single thing you need to do, every second needs to be on the ball. And trust me, take it from someone who uh, has created a, a 
a, a ball mastery training app. I understand the importance of that. But what is also important to me and what I have found to be really successful is sort of allowing the kids to do one thing at a time and slowly progress through um, whatever it is you're trying to teach them. So what that might look like in tag is first we're just tagging, just running around and every person is tagging uh, for themselves. And then you see who, who got the most tags. Then the next one, and I use an interval timer if I'm not using any time soccer training. So you might do 30 seconds on then 10 seconds for rest. The next one, you tag only on your back. And then the next one might be um, two people are the swipers back when that cartoon was out, but two people are taggers and everybody else. So like a fox in here and everybody else is uh, running around and maybe when you tag them, you gotta freeze, some variation of that. And then, all right, you've done that for about a minute and a half. Uh, which is actually uh, gets them pretty tired. Then you take a 30 second rest and you explain to them, now everybody has their ball. We're gonna do the same sequence of drills. And then now uh, they're not focused on, okay, how does the tag game work? Or how does this work? Or what's the rules? Nope, we're just focused on close control dribbling and not getting tagged and invading um, defenders and stuff. And then I can do things, you know, you can dribble with your right, leg only, right foot only, left foot only, whatever. But the bottom line is they're only, um, they're only focused on the tag game and not necessarily, uh, I'm sorry, they only focus on dribbling and not having to worry about the learning the rules of the actual game. And I do that same sort of pattern, not only with the tag games, but with anything. So, so with all the different ones. So with, when we go into technical training, if I have them doing the equivalent of dribbling around cones, well, I'm just flipping it. So first it's gonna be almost like an agility exercise. So you running around the cones and changing the direction around the cones. And then we introduce the ball. And that brings me to the next sort of block. So we got the tag block, right? And then, you know, after that, maybe they have a water break. Then we go into um, sort of the, uh, technical section. So maybe we're going to dribble around cones. We're going to dribble this way, dribble that way, whatever, some ball mastery. Well, I start all that with no ball. Okay. And so it turns in, like I said, it turns into almost like an agility type drill situation. And then after they learn the two or three patterns that we're going to be able to do that day, because, you know, the practice is only about an hour, then I introduce the ball, right? But after I introduce the ball and they go through it one time, then I disguise, this is the next point, I disguise pressure with racing and chasing games. Because you know all kids love to race and chase and tag each other. So I disguise pressure with a racing and chasing type game. So if I had you dribbling through you know, some obstacle of cones, now, uh, and if they're big brother, big sister around, or if they're parent around, I get them to volunteer. Now I'm having parent, big brother, big sister, or other teammate, or myself act like an alligator, act like a lion, act like an elephant, whatever, and chasing them through that obstacle. And they are just, you know, head over heels trying to get away from that parent or that whoever the alligator is. And I'm telling the parent or the older sibling, you know, don't go so fast just so they feel that pressure and they're trying to get through the cone. And then what do I teach them at that very moment? 
you have to dribble with every single step. So you can't get through this, you can't do this obstacle without dribbling with every single step. So now we work on those tight touches with pressure coming from the back. And then we add pressure coming from the front as well. And then we can also introduce racing. So now you're racing, right? And someone is trying to tag you from the back or chasing you from the back. And there's an obstacle in the front. And there's just a lot of stuff going on. And that gives you sort of more of a realistic uh, experience when it comes to playing in actual games. And then that brings me to the final module, I guess you'd say. So you're talking about anytime soccer training. I end every session with a 1v1, with 1v1s and small-sided games. But what I do a little bit differently when I can is I just use, I just bolt on the small side of games or the 1v1s onto the technical obstacles that we already did. So what that could look like is you're driven through some cones or you're dribbling around a box. You come out of that. Maybe someone's chasing you from behind. You come out of that and then you're dribbling right into a 1v1 situation or you're dribbling right into a 2v2 situation. And that's great for fitness. The kids are running and then they and then they're not just starting from, you know, from zero and have time to make a mental picture of what they're going to do. They're on the go and they go straight into a 1v1, 2v2 situation. And then as they are doing that drill a couple of times, then I just set the goal up at the opposite end of the field, move the technical obstacle or whatever we were doing, and it turns right into a small side of game. But I'm able to do that even uh, with uh, eight, nine-year-olds or seven-year-olds because they know the drill. So I'm able to let them go on autopilot for a second while I set the um, set the next small side of game up. And then they just go straight into that and they end the practice with the small side of game. So, so that's, that's kind of how I organize my rec uh, practices. And they have been a huge hit in terms of you know, how much of the kids develop? I mean, who knows? But the parents and the, the parents seem to appreciate it and the kids seem to really enjoy it. And I do see some modest improvement. So those are my tips for you. So in summary, you know, I start with the same format and I start with the same format for a couple of reasons. Number one, that allows the kids just to hit the ground running without me having to do a lot of ex explaining. Number two is when the kids come late, they can just hop right in without being a distraction to the um, uh, practice. And number three is now when I do my research, I'm researching in those blocks. So now I'm researching what is the best tag game that I'm gonna do this week, or maybe I'll do the same one I did last week, or maybe I'll add a variation to it. But that's my research is, my research is based on each block. The tag block, the, uh, technical session block and, 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 and then the small side of game 1v1 block. And then I just look at ways to connect those. And uh, you can use however format you want, obviously. And you may not be this structured, obviously, but I do recommend that you start at least with the equivalent of morning work. So you have that routine where the kids get just hit the ground running. And then the next thing, which is has been very successful for me, is I start every drill without them using the balls because these are beginners and I don't want them focused. I don't want to try to teach them 
the actual drill and the movements of the drill and the rules of the drill and teach them the soccer stuff at the same time. I want them to know what they need to do um, totally. And then we work on how they need to do it. And, and, you know, I do compartmentalize things. So this may not be your recommendation. That's why I encourage you to go to the Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group and you can give me your opinion. But this is seems to work for me. And now they're able to execute the dribbling or the ball mastery portion of the drill a lot more effectively because they know sort of what to expect. And then finally, I always end with small side of games in 1v1. But what I do a little differently than what I see at a typical rec practice is I tie that to the from the tag to the technical um, drills because even the, and let me be super clear, even the tag box can just turn right into a technical drill where you're chasing and that kind of stuff. And then that goes straight into uh, a 1v1 finishing, that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to drop this now because I'm getting a lot of, because uh, because I published this pu- podcast, sorry, because I published this ebook, um, you know, becoming a rec coach superhero, I'm getting a lot of folks in that rec coach space that are not completely walked out on youth soccer yet. And so I wanted to produce something for them and something that I wish someone had uh, told me when I started, because I didn't start off like this. I, I, told, I, I was joking on Facebook. When I first started coaching my older ones, uh, rec team, I used to write cards and try to have them do all this kind of stuff. And it was completely ridiculous. So, you know, I've evolved and this is kind of where I'm at now. And I, I want to save you time so that your children can get more out of the uh, experience than mine probably did when I first started. And if, and if none of this stuff makes any sense or you just can't picture it or you're a visual learner, then shoot me an email, Neil, N-E-I-L, at anytime-soccer.com. Shoot me an email, Neil, N-E-I-L, at uh, anytime-soccer.com. I'll give you a call or, or I'll get on Zoom with you and show you sort of how I do it if it will be of value to you. And if you have a recreational team or a club team for that matter, and you think they would benefit from uh, an extended free period of anytime soccer training where they can use these drills as a companion at home, again, shoot me an email, neil at anytime-soccer.com. I would love to speak to you and get it out to your team or your club so that they can what get better together see what it's all about because again our marketing is very simple people who try it see the value and it just becomes a no-brainer and they spread the word so that's all i want to do i just wanted you to try it if it's for you great if it's not for you that's okay too all right so that will conclude this podcast and next week um we'll do something a little bit more controversial where i got to follow up on sort of the one i did on how our club does things and the things they don't do but until then let's get better together <laughs>